morning. In 1835, French diplomat Alexis de Tocqueville wrote a famous book called Democracy in America. This is what he said. Americans are extremely eager in the pursuit of immediate material pleasures and are always discontented with the position that they occupy. This is 1835, by the way. They think about nothing but always of changing their lot and bettering it. For people in this frame of mind, any new way of getting wealth more quickly, every machine which lessens work, every means that will diminish the cost of production, every invention which makes pleasures easier or greater seems to be the most magnificent accomplishment of the human mind. This was before Apple. 1835. This money materialism disease had humble beginnings in our country, but it has infected us to where we don't even know we have it. We think that the disease is actually healthy. Uh, we think that we need the Ginsu knife, okay? I don't need a regular knife. I need a knife that can cut through metal cans, okay? We think that if we just bought the ab roller, that we would have washboard six-pack abs and we would look like the person on the infomercial who treats herself by having one almond and her idea of a dessert is a tic-tac. <laughs> or that blender that can blend shoes. We need that. That would help our veggie intake a lot. And it's not a blender. It's a kitchen system. This we think we need these things. Money, materialism, it affects us. This is the last of our lost sermon series. And this morning, we continue at what Jesus has to say about money and materialism. Uh, the lifestyle of money and materialism has so permeated our conscience that we scarcely even know that we have it. We don't even realize the rat race that we're actually running. There's a girl, young girl, nine-year-old girl named Alina. And Alina was uh, a swimmer for her swim club. And she loved swimming. She wasn't a great swimmer. She had been doing it for about four years. In fact, she finished dead last in every single one of her races. Always, always last. And it was the last swim meet of the year. Parents are there watching. Daughter's getting ready to get up on the starting blocks. And mom pulls her aside, grabs her by the shoulders and says, Alina, I want you to win the race. And Alina looks at her with her eyes super big. And she says, it's a race? <laughs> and mom says, of course it's a race. What did you think it was? She says, I thought it was a place to go and meet friends. That's why it's called a swim meet. <laughs> Sweet little girl, not a care in the world. Jumps in the water just trying to meet other kids. No stress, no anxiety, because she wasn't trying to beat anybody you're not trying to beat anybody either. You don't need to earn more than anybody. You don't need to have a bigger house than anybody. You don't need to buy more than anybody. You're not in a race with anyone. And so let go of the stress and anxiety that plague us. How many of you have ever thought, once I get X, Y, and Z, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be content. Maybe it's uh, once I get out of debt, then, then I'll be happy. Maybe once I graduate, I'll get my priorities right. Maybe it's once I'm the owner of a company, not just the employee. I don't know what it is for you, but 
whatever it is, whatever you've said, once I get there or once I get that, then my priorities will be right. Uh, then I'll get serenity. I'm going to grab one of these. We've all been there, right? We've all thought, once I get there, once I get that, once I obtain this, then I'll be content. We've all thought that. Jesus speaks right into this sentiment. Look at Luke 12. If you have your Bibles, turn there. It's the um, third book of the New Testament. Luke 12 says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So someone just approaches Jesus, starts asking about money. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge and arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He cuts right to the heart of the issue. Verse 16, and then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So this rich guy has a huge influx of, of income, right? That's what it means when the first century says we had an abundant harvest. It's this huge income increase. And then he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've got so much stuff. I'll get a storage unit. We need to build an addition to the house. We need a bigger garage, maybe even a second house. I've got so much stuff, what shall I do? Then he said, this is what I'll do. You know what he did? He did what he's always done. He did exactly how he's always done. The more money you make doesn't mean you'll change anything. You will continue to do exactly as you currently are doing. That's what we see in this parable. He, he, he did what he'd always done because he assumed what he's always assumed. If it comes to me, it's for me. The fact that he got more, but the fact that he got an increase, the fact that he got an abundant harvest did not make him more generous. It just made him richer. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. I'll save it now. For those of you who are older, Go back to when you were 19, 20 years old. Go back to when you're 19, 20, and you thought to yourself at 19 and 20, once I make X amount of dollars, I'll be out of debt, I'll be content, smooth sailing, right? And maybe it was like, once I, once I make $3,000 in a month, so $36,000 for the year, once I make that much, smooth sailing, good to go. And now, many years later, you're making that much, probably more, and you're still in debt and discontented as you were at 19. You're doing the same things that you've done, just like the man in the parable. You know why? It's, it's, it's not because you have a money problem. It's because you have a contentment problem. You have a self-control problem, and you have a spiritual problem. It's not a money problem. We convince ourselves that we have a money problem and 95% of us who worry about money don't have a money problem. It's self-control, it's discipline, it's contentment, and it's spiritual. Jesus may not answer your prayers for more money. We've all prayed for that. Not because he's mean, but because he wants to deal with all three. And if you actually get the money you're praying for, 
you haven't wrestled through and done the deep spiritual work of your contentment problem, your discipline problem, your spiritual problem. Let me ask you a question. How much more money would you need to stop worrying about money? Is it 10% more? If you got 10% raise, 15, 50% raise, okay? The answer is none of those. Because no matter how much you make, I can show you someone who makes 50% more and is in debt and still worried about money, or 100% more and is still in debt and worried about money. You say, no, 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 no. If I could just, if I could only, if we could only, if I could only get this. No, no, you're kidding yourself. As soon as you get that if only, there's another if only just beyond the horizon. If you feed an appetite, it grows. That might be true for other people, but that's not true for me, right? Like, that's what we're all thinking right now. Like, no, no, no. If I did get that certain influx, if I did get that large sum or that big increase, I really would. Like, I hear what you're saying, but that's just not me. Spike Milligan said this, all I ask is the chance to prove that money can't make me happy. And the church said, amen. <laughs> all I ask, I want to be that person that can just test the theory that money won't make me happy. We intellectually assent to that idea, but we live as if that's not really true. Money does not address discontentment, discipline, or self-control. More money does not generate self-control. More money doesn't generate more contentment. Our mindset that money will make our problems go away is a lie. It doesn't make us happy. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. And if we just said it more times, maybe we'll actually start living it. Here's the rest of Jesus' story. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. He was consumable. He was disposable, and now he's gone. All the stuff that he had worked so hard to acquire for himself is now given to somebody else. And then Jesus, I love this. This is so brilliant. He steps out of the parable and looks into the eyes of the people asking about money. And I don't think he's just looking into their eyes. I think he's looking into your eyes, your eyes as well. He steps out of the parable and says, so it will be in the future. We need to, to get out of that mindset that it will make us happy. Total loss. You have nothing to show because everything that you came, that, that came your way, you consumed for yourself or assumed it was just for yourself. Jesus' point is simply this. Since all that you have and will have will be taken away, why not just give it away now? Since it's all going to be taken away, why would you live your life like this? Why would you miss the opportunity to give? Paul, one of the prominent New Testament writers, says this in 1 Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Uh, the latest stats, according to U.S. News and World Report, for Americans with household incomes of under $25,000— it would take $54,000 a year to fulfill the American dream. And those who make 100,000 crave an average of $192,000 to be able to fulfill the American dream. What's this tell us? It tells us that the American dream usually lies twice the distance away, no matter where you are. So how content are you? 
How thankful are you for what you have? Your job, your home, your family, your income, your life. Now, if you say, I'm thankful for my family, but I'm thankful for my husband or my wife, but I'm thankful for my kids, but I'm thankful for my house, but that's a mark of not being very content with what God's given you. God wants you to lose that but, okay? He does. Uh, until you get all those buts out of your thinking, you will always be dissatisfied with what you have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Matthew 6 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I always thought that this was, this passage dealt with like, so do good deeds on earth so that like you get like riches in heaven, like crowns. Um, but actually that's not inspiring. It's not transformative. So uh, there's a, a jewel in my crown in heaven, so now I'm not going to cheat on my taxes. That it doesn't work for me. It doesn't motivate me to right living, to pursue Jesus. Actually, when we look at the end of the Bible, we find ourselves in heaven. And in Revelation, we find ourselves casting down our crowns, not showing them off. It's not us going up to someone else and go, hey, look at all the, look at all the jewels. Look at all the riches I have. No, 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 we're casting them down. What Jesus is saying about treasures in heaven is focus on what lasts, not on what will be destroyed. This past week, uh, uh, Friday, we have a staff meeting and uh, my heart's a bit heavy. And on the way, walking into staff, I get a call from someone um, in our church just going through a super tough time in his marriage. And he's crying on the phone and, and I'm, I'm talking, trying to encourage him, pray for him. And I'm just like, man, that's, that's rough. Um, earlier that day, two people had uh, texted me that they were going through a tough time in their marriage. And so uh, could I pray for them? Can I meet with them? Can I, can, it, what's the answer? And then in the middle of our staff meeting, I get a text from someone that says, hey, um, and I read it during staff. We often do that. We keep our phones out. Um, in the middle of our staff meeting, I get a text message and he says, hey, you don't know me. Uh, I got your number from someone in your church, but my wife and I are really struggling. Can you uh, meet with me? And I just, the staff saw it. I just put the phone down and I said, oh. it was so heavy that there, there's this, maybe there's something going on that we've been praying against in Jesus' name, but there's just something attacking uh, marriages. And maybe it has to do with money and materialism. Maybe it has to do with us not focusing on what lasts, but rather focusing in on what is destroyed. We spend more time at the office than we do at home. And God's saying, no, 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 focus on what lasts, not what is to be destroyed. Deep down, we, we know, we know what truly matters, but our lives just don't reflect it often. March, two, March 2nd, 2011, one of the most powerful days in world history. The iPad 2 was released. Oof. It had 
Wi-Fi. It had its own cellular data to it. You could play Fruit Ninja or Words with Friends. It was awesome. I had to get one. You could use it as a cell phone. I mean, it was amazing. It was an unrivaled achievement for mankind everywhere until the next one came out. Now that iPad 2 belongs to my kids. And actually, Dex doesn't want to play with that one. He wants to play with this one. And so Ivy's 11 months, that's her toy. So what was once a marvelous achievement for mankind, I've got to have it, is now a toy for an 11-month-old who eats bark, okay? <laughs> now, there's, there's nothing wrong with possessions, but either God owns your possessions and you serve him, or your possessions own you and you serve them. God sees our money as a tool, and we ask the question, what will, I show, what will I have to show for it? When we make investments, that's what we say. What will I have to show for it down the road? And the way God sees finances is that who will I have to show for it? What lives have I touched? How did I make a difference in the person of someone else? Maybe on the other side of the planet, maybe in our own community here. There's once a young minister sitting in her house on a Sunday afternoon, and she was disturbed by a frantic pounding on the door. Opening the door, one of her members uh, came up, he's crying and distraught, and uh, had ran all the way to her house. The minister says, what's wrong? She says, please, can you help? He says, okay, what's going on? She said, a, a, a kind and considerate family in the area is in great trouble. The husband recently lost his job. Wife can't work due to health problems. They have three young children to look after. And the man's mother lives with them, and she's unwell and needs constant care. They're one day late with rent, but despite the fact that they've lived there for 10 years and always paid on time, and that they'll likely have the money within the next week, the landlord's going to kick them out of the street if they don't pay in full by the end of the day. The minister says that... It's terrible. Of course we'll help. I'll get some money from the church fund and we'll make up the shortfall. And then the minister says, well, anyways, how do you know them? And the man says, oh, I'm the landlord. <sighs> See, many of us would agree that having a better car, a nicer home, or more possessions will not really make us happier. But we walk out the door living differently. <laughs> This bizarre and irrational story contains a profound insight into the nature of belief. It helps expose the logic that enables us to continuously act in a way that we don't even see. We're able to concur that such things are not worth giving too much attention to or so much time. The problem, however, is how we live. We're quick to say money doesn't solve everything, but then our lives and our schedules and our calendars don't really reflect that. Why? Because it's not our beliefs that provide the power here, but rather the beliefs bearing down upon us from others. It's the beliefs of the magazines and the, and the, the uh, Hollywood and the advertisements. We continue to believe through the unconscious affirmation of others' beliefs, thus allowing ourselves to reject ridicule and renounce the very things that continue to dictate our actions. How many of you have ever seen the movie The Matrix? Matrix cool movie. It's actually three movies. Uh, and in the world of the Matrix, there's lots of biblical imagery. And if those who haven't seen it, it's a world where machines have taken over the world. And machines have actually tricked humans into thinking that they're free when they're actually enslaved. And so they create, the machines create this like virtual reality world called the Matrix. 
but there is a band of humans fighting against the machines. There's Neo in the resistance. Neo is like the Christ figure. And then this resistance has their own home base, which is called Zion. Home of the resistance. And we find out something unique in the second film. We find out that actually the machines built Zion. The machines built the home of the resistance. They allowed Neo and the resistance to exist. They set up the whole structure. We find out that the very sign of resistance, the very thing we thought was fighting the system was the very thing the system needed to perpetuate itself. And then the machines say this. They say, we tried to construct a world where there was no resistance and it collapsed upon itself. People needed an outlet. Because if you don't let people have an outlet or an escape valve, then things really blow up. Then real revolution happens, real resistance. Let people have a little chance to feel that they're doing something and the system of oppression flows perfectly. What am I trying to say? So we give a homeless guy five bucks and we feel we're justified to spend the rest of the money however we want. Does that token of goodness give us enough of a spiritual high that we can now go along with our happy selves and live and spend however we want? God says, no, we've got to step out of the matrix. And Jesus calls us out of this matrix. The fact is that 180 children in our world have died from hunger-related diseases during the time I started this sermon to right now. God cares about that. He, he's called us to make a difference in that. We often think, man, when I get to God, I'm, I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to say, God, why didn't you do something about the poverty in our world, the children suffering, unnecessary deaths and illness all over the world? Why didn't you do anything about it? I'm terrified to ask, that God, to ask God that question because I'm afraid he's going to ask me right back. What did you do about the poverty in our world? What did you do about the children suffering? God has called us to make a difference. It's not about a nicer home or a nicer card. Those things are fine. God's not against money. God's against the love of money. I want to invite Stephen in the worship band to come up. And I really sense that this is something that many of us are struggling with. And that it might be the root cause of many of our issues in our own marriages. That we're caught up in this matrix. And we're caught up in the hope of if only and I just want to encourage you. There's no if only. You could win the lottery tomorrow and it won't bring contentment. It won't bring self-control. It won't bring abundant life. It'll bring you more things, but things don't last. Invest in the things that last. God, I pray in Jesus' name that I pray for the, the marriages in, in our church people associated with the church, people not associated with our church. God, I pray that you would help them find you, be reconciled to you in a greater way, God. Would they choose to love each other sacrificially, whether they feel like it or not? God, may they do love until they feel love. And God, I pray that for us who have we intellectually believe money isn't the answer. But we live as if it is. God, change our lives. Change us from the inside out. 
You're greater than our financial struggles. You're greater than our problems. You're greater than our shortcomings. You're greater than our debt. You're, you're greater than our own selfishness and pride. God, help us to know that we're not in a race against anybody. God, we're blessed not so that we can just sleep better at night and not worry about our bank account. We're blessed to be a blessing. Help us to do that in Jesus' name, God. And God, help us to see the truth that that actually transforms us. God, may we not ask, what do I have to show for it? But who do I have to show for it? Jesus, we've prayed a lot about money. We fought a lot about money. We've worried a lot about money. But God, we pray that you would help us with contentment because godliness with contentment is great gain. Pray that you would help us with discipline. Pray that you would help us to trust in you above all else. We love you, Jesus. You're great. Great are you, Lord. You're greater than all issues. And it's, it's your breath in our lungs so we, we, we pour out our praise. We, we speak you out. We lift you up. Not money, not materialism. We lift you up above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close with this song together?